Matthew chapter 3, praise God, amen. Praise God. Amen. I ask you to continue to pray for Brother Ogle and his family. Amen. Praise God. We're going to go to the funeral tomorrow. Amen. Pray for the family. God will strengthen them. Praise God. The days to come. Amen. The Holy Ghost is our strength. Praise God. Amen. Matthew chapter 3. Verse 1, I'll wait on that mic. This one's all fuzzy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. That's much better. Hallelujah. Matthew 3 and 1, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Everyone say straight. Praise God. And I'm going to, I think I'm kind of in a little bit of a teaching, maybe preaching mode today, but uh, if I was going to title this, it would be preparing the way of the Lord. Preparing the way of the Lord. Praise God. Why don't you just, you can put your Bibles down, lift your hands to the Lord. Amen. Let's just ask God to touch us today. God, ask your Lord God to speak to your people. God, those who are coming here today, God, with heavy hearts. God, with a spirit, God, that has tried to drag them down. God, I rebuke every spirit in the name of Jesus. God, I ask you today, God, to let there be liberty, for where your spirit is, there is liberty. God, I thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I love you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. I'm, I'm just going to be teaching here for a while today on the power of repentance. Amen. Preparing the way of the Lord. Praise God. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about what God is doing. I feel like, amen, the devil is fighting the church. And uh, I know he is. I'm the pastor. But that's a good sign that uh, if we're having war with the devil, amen, that the devil doesn't like what God's doing and what the church is doing. Amen. And so we, just don't, always, we don't always just look for a fight with the devil. Amen. But we know that when we are working for God and serving God, that there's going to be battles, tests, trials. Amen. That God may be glorified. Amen. I said that God may be glorified. Amen. That God can show himself mighty. I said that God can show himself mighty. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of you have problems. Some of you have 
financial difficulties. Some of you have things happening in your life that, uh, that are very traumatic, even heartbreaking. But what you need to do is you need to turn it over to Jesus. Amen. Say, okay, God, this battle is not mine, but it's yours. And so I'm going to turn it over to you, God, because I want to see the victory. Amen. There's victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. I said there's victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank God for that victory today. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Repentance is not a common message in our day. It is often neglected, almost forgotten. And the truth is we will have to repent as long as we live on this earth. And there's no way out of sin other than through repentance. Amen. I'll say that again. There's no way out of sin other than through repentance. Praise God. You say, Pastor, I'm struggling with sin. I've got a sin problem. It's because you're not repenting. It's because you're not turning your back on the old life and turning your back on sin. That's the reason why there's a sin problem. The basic meaning, it might get quiet here for a while. I don't know. I'm just going to teach. I'm going to preach. The basic meaning of repentance is to turn around and go the opposite direction. Amen. Turn around and go the opposite direction. I, I, have, I have referenced this verse of Scripture. I'm sorry, this, uh, uh, it is Scripture. Amen. But I have referenced this story many times, I feel, in the last uh, several years, is that uh, there was a man of God. His name was Elder Mark Boffman. And I was reading his book, and he and his wife were in a revival. And uh, they were doing the work of God on fire with the Holy Ghost. And they were determined to go to a conference in Houston, Texas. And he said that they got in their car and God had told him not to go to that conference. Not to go uh, that, that way. He wanted him to stay there and have revival services. And he said, now God, I'm going to that conference. And so the further he got from that revival, the less Holy Ghost he felt. The further he got from that place that God had dealt with him, he said that pretty soon he got to where he could not feel the power or the presence of God anymore. And so he got out to pray, and he began to ask God, what, what's going on? I can't even feel the Holy Ghost right now. And God said, I told you not to leave that revival and not to quit preaching in that city. And so he and his wife turned their car back around and they drove back to that revival. And he said the closer that he got back to the place where he had been preaching, he began to feel the spirit and the power of God once again. I just simply want to tell you, saint of God, that uh, the devil will try to talk you into leaving the place of your Holy Ghost nativity. The devil will try to tell you that what you need to do, the battle that you're fighting, the battle will be easier in another location. <clears throat> well, praise the Lord, somebody. 
The devil will tell you that what you need to do is just run from your problem when what you need to do is go back to that place where you first met Jesus Christ and say, okay, God, I'm not running from this problem. I'm running back to you. Because I know that if I'll go back to that place where I first received the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, that God's going to meet with me there again. Oh, praise God. Praise God. I've come to preach to someone. Don't make a hasty move and a decision uh, just based on something that's promised to you somewhere else. Uh, Say, God, I'm going to see your works uh, in my life right here where I received the Holy Ghost uh, and was baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, I'm going to see God do a work in my life. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah. And that's not really what I come to preach today, but God dropped that on me right when I walked out of my door back there, out of my office. And if that caught you, if God got a hold of your heart right there, you better hear the word of God. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Praise God. Let's worship the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. The reason why the devil always works as humans were it's either fight or flight and uh, uh, sometimes we'll fight and sometimes we'll flight amen and uh, we think it's easier the reason why the devil preys upon that the reason why he works on that aspect of our humanity is because he knows that if he can keep us off balance in our walk with God that he can have the mastery over us. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so what we have to do is we got to say, you know what? I'm just going to live for God through the thick and the thin. I'm going to live for God through finances or no finances. Oh, yeah. I'm going to live for And you know what? God always makes a way. If you, Brother, if you make a decision to live for God, your family will follow you. Amen. Mom and dad, if you'll make a decision to live for God 100%, amen, your family will follow you. But if you're half in the church, half out of the church, just barely living for God, that's the way that your children will go. Amen. And so what I've done is I've just made up in my mind. And I'll just tell you right now, thank God for my parents. They broke the curse of my family. They said, when I get in the church, it's all the way. It's not part way. Amen. I'm not going to try to serve God and the devil. Amen. I'm going to serve God with all my heart, all my strength, all my soul, everything that's within me. Amen. And uh, you say, well, pastor, they didn't have to deal with the things that we deal with today. Hogwash. Amen. They dealt with everything then that we do now. Oh, yeah. They may not have had all the technology. 
They may not have had all the... Uh, I, I can remember as a kid, you know, sometimes money is a curse to people. Sometimes money is a curse to us. No, and I'm not preaching poverty. I'm not preaching wealth. I'm just simply saying that when I was a kid, there wasn't a whole bunch of money. But we had a whole bunch of God. Amen. We had, we had the assurance that uh, we were going to church. We had the assurance, I'm talking about as a child, amen, that my mom and dad, they were living for God. We had the assurance that when it was time for church and the doors were open, we was going to be in church. Oh, don't worry, I'm going to get to repentance here in a minute. We had the assurance that there was going to be a man in the God, man of God in the pulpit preaching the word of God. Amen. Breaking the bread of life. Amen. That when we come to this house, we didn't have to worry about whether or not we was going to have a preacher or not. You say, well, Pastor, that applies to you. Yeah, you know something? I fight the same battle you fight. And so you know what I do is I just get up every day. I put my big boy britches on and say, okay, God, I'm going to serve you again today. I'm going to walk with you again today. I'm going to pray again today. I'm going to read my Bible again today. Amen. I'm going to do it all over again because that's what it takes in living for God is a made-up mind. I'm living for God. Amen. I'm not interested in a program. Thank God for youth department, outreach department. Thank God for the victorious overcomers. Thank God for uh, the middle agers. Thank God for everybody. But you know what? It takes a walk with God to serve God, not a program. It takes a determination, a made-up mind. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to serve God uh, no matter what. I'm going to live for God. Amen. Amen. There's some people that are in the church. Amen. And you live for God. You ought to thank God for your husband or wife. There's people that live for God single and alone, and they come to church. Some of you, you wouldn't come to church if your wife or your husband didn't come to church. Boy, I got quiet. Now, I'm not preaching for response, but what I'm trying to tell you, hey man, is to live for God. It takes a made-up mind. It takes a love in your heart for God. Hey God, I'm going to live for you. I'm walking by faith and not by sight. Amen. 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 I can remember vividly the day my dad lost his job. Because they moved it to Minnesota. And he told them he didn't even have to think about it. He says, my church is here and my family is here. And he said, God will make a way. And for how many more years did he work at the prison? 24 more years. A guy called him up and said, hey, Jack, we need someone like you to do our architectural drawings. And my dad said, well... He said, I'm a mechanical drawer, not an architectural drawer. He said, oh, no, Jack, you can do it. He said, okay, I'll be there. God gave him the job. God gave him the job. Here's the reason why God gave him the job for 24 years. He had a steady paycheck and a steady job every day. And the day my dad retired, they said, you know what? 
We don't need this position anymore. And there's no architectural drawer at Hutchison Correctional Facility any longer because my dad's no longer there. And what I'm trying to tell you is that if you'll just walk with God, say, okay, I don't know how it's going to happen, where it's going to come from, God's going to make a way. God's always made a way out of no way. God's going to make a way. And you know what God will do in your life is God will make a way. Hey, man, just stand still and see the salvation of God. Stand still and say, oh, 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 I don't care what's going on all around me. I'm just going to stay in the church, keep my children in the house of God, and live for God. And I'm going to see the salvation of God. I'm going to see the salvation of God. Some of you need to stand still. Man, the devil's got you running around like a termite in a yo-yo. That's a vivid description. You say, you know what? I'm just going to stand still. If, if my pastor's got faith enough to preach it, I've got faith enough to believe it. Man, there's times I get in this pulpit and I preach. I say, okay, God. <laughs> I just put you on the line because uh, I can't fill anybody with the Holy Ghost. I can remember several years ago I said, uh, somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost tonight in Sunday night service. I was like, well, praise God. Amen. I'm, I believe it anyhow. Hallelujah. And you know what happened that night in that Sunday night service? Somebody received the Holy Ghost uh, speaking in tongues. I'm going to stand still uh, and see the salvation of God in my life. Well, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. We, we open this message today reading about John the Baptist. Amen. John the Baptist, he was a very unique man. John the Baptist was born, uh, he was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he was full of the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Now, uh, when, when Mary came to Elizabeth and said that, hey, I'm going to have a baby, well, Elizabeth was already pregnant. And the Bible says that the baby leaped in her womb. John the Baptist, when he heard that Mary was ready to have Jesus Christ, he was excited uh, because he already knew what his purpose uh, in life was. Oh, no, he wasn't God. He was still a baby. He had to be raised. He had to have his diaper changed. But the Bible says he was full of the Holy Ghost. Did he speak with tongues? No. But the Spirit of God was in him. The Word of God says it was. The Holy Ghost wasn't given until Jesus was glorified. The evidence of the Holy Ghost that could happen on the day of Pentecost is for the church today, and that's where the church was born. But John the Baptist, he was different. He was a strange man. The Bible says that he lived in the wilderness and he was clothed with a leathern girdle. Don't ask me what that means. I, I, I assume that it was some type of garment that he wear around his loin area. Uh, that's, that's what the Word of God says. And uh, you would have to be all man to wear a leather garment in the wilderness. You say, why is that? 
because leather is not that comfortable. Those old buckskin breeches they wore, they wore them out of necessity because that's all they had to wear. Well, praise the Lord, somebody. And the Bible says he ate locust and honey, wild honey. He ate the honey that he had to figure out how to get away from his little buzzing friends. And uh, I promise you, he knew how to do it. He probably built him a fire underneath the tree and smoked them out. And the Bible says he ate that wild honey and locust. Now, there's a lot of argument. The Word of God says it was an insect, so I go with the Word of God. If you look it up in the original, in original language, that word locust is a type of insect. Amen. Now, what we call a locust right now that are cicadas that are making their, their noise every day, they don't look fit to eat. Uh, they don't look appetizing. I guess if I was hungry, I might try one. Uh, I watched a frog one night eat a whole one in one gulp. All that was sticking out was the tips of his wings. And that frog was, he was doing some contortions, but he got it down. Praise God. That frog thought, I'm not a frog, so don't entice me to eat a locust. Praise God. And uh, uh, John the Baptist, he was in the wilderness, and he was, why was he in the wilderness? I don't know. He was just alone. Maybe he was talking to God and communing with God, but there came a day when he came out of that wilderness preaching, amen, repentance. He was telling them to repent and to make the paths of the Lord straight. He says, there's one coming after me who is mightier than I, who's shoelace. You know, they, they accepted John the Baptist because Isaiah he, he prophesied that there would be one coming up from the wilderness uh, that he would preach, uh, amen, to prepare you the way of the Lord and to make his path straight. Uh, and that's what, exactly what happened with John the Baptist. He began to preach, uh, amen. He began to tell the people, you've got to repent. Uh, you've got to turn from your sinful ways. You've got to turn, uh, amen, from that ungodly way of living. Uh, amen, that ungodly lifestyle. You can't follow that path and that direction any longer. You've got to turn from it. And sure enough, John, when he saw Jesus, you know, John didn't have to have someone raised from the dead to accept Jesus Christ. John didn't have to have blinded eyes healed to accept Jesus Christ. He was very sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And that spirit that was in him, when he saw Jesus Christ, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now he was preaching repentance. How many is hearing me right now? I'm not going to try to be real lengthy here today. But he was preaching repentance. Repentance, you got to turn from sin. But when he saw Jesus Christ, he said, Behold, look, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. The world has to repent. We have to repent. But Jesus Christ takes away the sins of the world. Thank God. I said, thank God for his blood. 
Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that takes away. Amen. Hey, God says, hey, you don't need those sins anymore. I want to take them away by my blood. You know what you have to do is you have to maintain a repented life. Repentance is not a uh, a one-time work. It is a work of the Holy Ghost. Uh, hey, man, you live repentant. You got. You say every day you get up, say, God, I need your blood today. If you sin, uh, ask God to forgive you. Amen. And we don't, I'm getting ahead of myself, we don't continue in sin. We stay out of sin. We turn from evil and darkness and turn toward God who is light. Now Ezekiel 14 and 6 says, Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent and turn yourselves from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations. This world tries to get the church. The rest of the church world is already, already part of the system. Already part of the Roman church. Already part of, you say, how is that? Because they baptize Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And any church that baptizes in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they are a denomination of the common denominator, the Roman church. Amen. The church of the book of Acts baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the church of the book of Acts that is still today still baptizes in the name of Jesus Christ because there's only one God. Amen. John wrote, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. Quit worshiping your flesh. Quit worshiping this world. Quit worshiping people in this world. He said, turn yourselves from your idols. You know, when Jacob's life was on the line, Jacob had take, taken his wives and his children, and I guess he had two, two concubines. Excuse me, my voice is tired today. But this, this man, Jacob, he took his wives, concubine, all of his children. And he was fleeing from his father-in-law. And his wives had stolen their daddy's idols. And their, their dad ran down the whole caravan and said, Hey, we don't care if you're leaving, but you've stole our gods. How many ever read this before? He said, you stole our gods. We want our idols back. And the Bible says that Rebecca, amen, was, I'm sorry, not Rebecca, uh, Rachel was laying on her, she was faking it. And uh, she was laying on top of her idols or her, her dad's idols. And she said, oh, I'm sick today. I can't get up. Please leave me alone. And 
sure enough, she had brought her daddy's idols with her. And everything was hunky-dory. And then all of a sudden, Jacob was getting ready to face his brother Esau. And he realized that he might die. He realized that his family might die. I hope you're listening to me today. He realized that his family might lose their life. And so you know what he did is he began to tell them, look, we've got to repent. We've got to get right with God. They knew that those idols, they were hauling around. Amen. He knew it. Amen. That they were sinful and they shouldn't be having those idols and those things, that jewelry. Amen. He said, you get those idols and get the earrings out of your ear and the gold off of your hands. And we're going to bury them. I'm going to preach to you today that if you're going to have victory in your life, you're going to repent. You're going to bury. You're going to get rid of those things that are sinful. That'll take you out of the church if you're going to live for God. The Bible says they broke the jewelry off of their bodies. They took the idols and they buried them. Don't try to marry your families. God's to the church. When God called you out of the darkness and the sin of this world and you repented of your sins to receive the Holy Ghost, uh, you got to get rid of those sins to keep the Holy Ghost. The devil try to tell you, oh, you can, you can take those things and embrace them and everything will be okay. Oh, no, it won't. You got to get rid of that old lifestyle that the devil tries to tell you that you can serve God with and be okay. Oh, no, you got to get rid of the sin. Hey, man, get rid of Hollywood. Get rid of your television. Get rid of your jewelry. Get rid of your ungodly clothing. Amen, Pastor. You say, are you mad, Pastor? No, God's mad. And I don't swing the sword today with vengeance. But there may come a day when God says enough is enough. Oh, yeah. He said, Esau... Jacob have I loved, and Esau I have hated. Do you think God hated Esau overnight? No. He didn't say hate. He said I hated. That's an old English tense of a progression. How many understands tenses in language? That there's present tense, past tense, future tense. The word of God uses I shall. That means I'm going to do it. When will God do it? As soon as the time's right. And he said, Esau have I hated. And so was it like that from the very beginning? It could have been shortly 
after that young man began to formulate his ideas of, of how he was going to serve God. Amen. The word of God tells us there in Ezekiel chapter 4, he said, you got to get rid of your abominations. If I know something is an abomination, amen, what is an abomination? It is something that God hates and will always hate it. Amen. He said, get rid of your abominations. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 5. says, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. And everybody says, yeah. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. I saw a guy at the state fair with a skirt on yesterday. Or Friday. He was standing there. Had his, I thought, you know, you know, bud, I know you. Got your little mustache, and you got your little macho attitude. But the Bible also says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And he had him a piggy tail down to his rear end. And I thought, you know, that spirit isn't going to be happy until you're painting your toenails, until you're acting like a woman full-fledged. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, they say, oh no, that's just a kilt. That's, that's really macho. That's really manly. Oh no, 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 no. No, 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 no. The Bible says it's an abomination for a man to wear a woman's garment. When my boys were little, amen, they wore my boots. And if they pulled mama's uh, shoes out of the closet, amen, I tell them, you take them shoes back in there. That's not shoes that you wear. Do you understand that? The Bible says, Mom and Dad, that you have to diligently teach it unto your children. You said, oh, they're just playing. No, we don't play. Boys don't play girl stuff. Well, praise God. We had a young man walk up. Uh, actually, I wasn't there. He walked up to my wife, and he says, how does your church feel about homosexuals? And she says, you know something? We teach against the sin of homosexuality, but we love the sinner. And we want you to be saved. And you know what? He didn't get mad at her. He says, I have never in my whole life had anybody tell me that, that I could be saved, that, that they wouldn't hate me. Or if you walk through the doors, I don't care. The Bible says such were some of you. But you are washed and you are cleansed. Hey, that's the reason why we've got to teach it to our children, mom and dad. We can't live in the world sometimes and live in the church sometimes. We've got to live for God all the time. And it's not an amen at church and go home and do something else. Live it all the time. Live it all the time. 
as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Draw the line in the sand. Say, if you live in this house, this is how you'll conduct yourself. Amen. This is what you're going to do. In my house, I tell my kids, you can live here as long as you want, but when you get married, go find your own place to live. Why is that? Because I'm teaching my children, amen, that this is the way that you live for God. This is the way that, hey, when you come to the house of God, you've got a family to raise. Hey, man, I'm not the patriarch. I'm the pastor and I'm the dad, and I'm going to tell my children what to do. Is that what I told you? And I tell them, I've told them more than once, anytime you can't live by my rules, get out of my house. You say, that's hateful. No, it's not hateful. My children love me because they know I love them. Amen. I'm not, living, I'm not playing around living for God. I'm going to live for God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Amen. And you do nothing but hurt somebody. When they should be out working, acting like an adult, living for God by patty caking with them. Amen. Amen. You do nothing but hurt them. You're teaching them the ways of the world. Amen. Hey, you know what? I didn't ask anybody if I could preach this. God told me to preach it. God started dealing with me about this yesterday morning. I got a phone call. Hey, my truck won't run. I thought, well, I guess we'll have to go figure out why the truck won't run. And then dad, got, dad showed up on the scene. And dad helped his son in more ways than one. Is that right? Amen. And the reason, you say, why are you telling us all this? Is because in living for God, this is serious business. That, and, and I'm looking at people in here today that you have children that you pray for that are not in the church. Keep praying for them. I believe God can bring them back into the house of God. Amen. I, I'm looking at people who raise their children right and their children aren't living for God today. You know what? There's no need to bow your head. Amen. Get up and say, preach it, preacher. Amen. I'm still living for God. Amen. I'm still going to live. I'm not stopping. I'm going forward. Amen. I've seen kids raised in Christian schools. Amen. They went to prison. A boy raised in this church. Went to our Christian school, graduated from our Christian school, and went to prison because he rebelled against the man of God. Go ahead, do your own thing. You know what? He didn't live a repented life. You say, Pastor, the words that you speak today are heavy. I, I, we'll, get, we'll get past all this. Hey, Amen. No, we're not getting past it. We're going to live a repented life. We're going to live for God. I'm a Christian. I'm an apostolic. I'm going to live for God. 
Turn, your, turn away your faces from all your abominations. Ezekiel 18.30 says, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel. Everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions so iniquity will not be your ruin. So iniquity shall not be your ruin. Oh yes, the word of God, Romans uh, 6 and 23. You see it just thrown around. The wages of sin is death. You say, oh, I, I don't have to live that way. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God. What's the gift of God? The Holy Ghost is eternal life. When I got the Holy Ghost, I, I left that life far behind. Oh, yeah, the temptations were there, but you know what? Hey, man, my Bible says with the temptation, he'll make a way of escape. Hey, man, that I'm not going to live. Hey, man, in a sinful life that brings condemnation. You know what happens when you live in sin? Sin brings condemnation. Satan will try to load you back up with his yoke. You don't know what a yoke is? Uh, you need to go over to Cracker Barrel and eat. Praise God, it's a good place to eat. They got yokes on the wall because they're antiques. Most people probably look at those things. The old people probably know what they are. But the young kids, they say, what's that weird looking piece of wood? It's called a yoke. And the Bible says that the yoke of sin is heavy. That's what the devil tries to do. He tries to saddle you up with sin. And repentance, I said repentance, is something that helps us to turn away from that sin. Say, so, you know, I don't need to pick that up. I have a, I have a little theory. Because even, even amongst preachers, you have to be careful because we're all still human. And I tell my wife sometimes, you know what? I'm not going to worry about that because that's not my deal. That's not my fight. I don't need to pick up that burden. I don't, it, it has nothing to do with me or my church, and so I'm not going to worry about it. And so in living for God, you got to look at sin the same way and say, wait a minute, that's, that has nothing to do with me and my family. Uh, hey, man, I am not going to pick up that yoke and put it on. I'm not going to pick up, pick up that burden that I've got to carry around. Amen. I'm just going to have revival and live for God. Amen. I'm going to see God's works in the deep. Amen. I'm not going to play around in the shallows. Amen. I'm going to see God work in the deep. So we got to repent. John the Baptist, I've talked a little bit about him. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. John preached in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoe latchets I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with 
fire. Amen. He was preaching this because he wanted the people to know, amen, that living just a repentant life by itself uh, without the power of the Holy Ghost uh, was not God's will. When you repent of your sins and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, the devil doesn't like that. He'll say, oh, come on. Just, you can sin just a little bit. A little bit won't hurt you. A little bit won't hurt. You can live for God and not be fully repented. You can play around with just a little bit of sin and have the Holy Ghost too. No, no, you can't. Amen. This temple is the, we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And anytime we try to make this temple more than just the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will leave. Oh yeah, the Holy Ghost. So, so first of all, the way the Holy Ghost works is the Holy Ghost gives you power to overcome sin. And then uh, the, the old devil come around tempting you. Oh, your, your family's not so bad. And you know what their past is. And you know what they've done in the past. And the devil try to tempt you and talk you in to going back and fellowshipping with your family. Oh, oh, they're really good people. Yeah, but they don't have the Holy Ghost. They don't believe in baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. Amen. They do not believe that you have to have the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. Well, praise the Lord, somebody. I'm preaching to you. And you say, well, I'm strong enough. I'm, I can handle this. But what about Junior right here? What about Sissy over here? How are they going to handle it? How are they going to handle, amen, the influence of grandma and grandpa or aunt or uncle? Well, not, I'm not getting a whole lot of amens right now, but I'm preaching to you the truth anyhow. Amen. There's got to be a separation from the world. There has to be a separation from ungodly living. Amen. I might see them once or twice a year, but I promise you I'm not going to their house all the time. I might see him at Christmas. I might see him at 4th of July. But I can promise you, I'm not going to be hanging out with him. Because we have nothing in common. Zero. Zero. Nothing. And the Bible says, what fellowship hath light with darkness. You know who I'm preaching to? I'm preaching to everybody in this building here today. What fellowship hath light with? I, I, I went out to the fair. I went Monday by choice and, and Friday because the Bible says to be hospitable. And a minister said, hey, would you go to the fair with us? I said, sure. Well, we'll go. He wanted to go see the cows and and uh, I drew the line at the goat barn. I walked in that place and I walked out. 
He called me and said, where'd you go? I said, brother, I can't handle the smell. <laughs> Woo. Enough of that. Can't handle that. But I was, I was a very square peg in a round hole. I had no, nothing in common with the rest of the fairgoers. I said, yeah, this is, this is kind of cool to watch this guy jump off the diving board. But I said, Lord God, help me to get past all this nasty, horrible music they're playing. That's just the way I feel about it. And when I was done watching him jump off the 80-foot high dive, I walked away and thought, well, that was cool watching somebody that has enough guts to jump off something that high or enough foolishness to do that. I'm not sure I would do that. <laughs> Obviously, they've practiced and practiced and practiced. But I didn't want to hear the rest of that music. I was like, oh, Lord, help us. Oh, I'm preaching on everything today. You say, Pastor, you're just preaching against that. Oh, no, I'm preaching about repentance. Amen. That when I started living for God, amen, this world has no hold on me. I'm not, I don't, I don't care to fellowship with the world. I don't care to be around the world. I, this is my church. Amen. This is my family. This is the house of God. You're my fellowship. I said, you're my fellowship. How did I get on all that? He said, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Turn to 2 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, uh, yeah, Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. The Holy Ghost if you're sinning, the Holy Ghost will bring conviction. If you're tempted by sin, the Holy Ghost will give you power to overcome that sin. If you start giving in to sin, the Holy Ghost is going to bring great conviction into your heart. You say, Pastor, why do I feel so heavy in my heart when I sin? It's because the Holy Ghost is not going to allow you just to sin and get away. God doesn't, he's a good father. And God says, wait a minute. If you're really my child, you just got in trouble. How many of you ever heard preachers say, Holy Ghost, you got, I just got a Holy Ghost spanking right there. Hey man, how's God saying, hey, what do you think you're doing? God, I really, I know I shouldn't be doing this. And so it says here, For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. You don't want to, you don't want to get past that place to where you have a seared conscience. Or to where you get used to sinning and then repenting and sinning and then repenting. That's a dangerous place to get into. Because after a while you lose, you lose sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. 
How many is hearing me today? You don't want to lose that sensitivity to God. I'd rather see someone in this altar crying and praying and and, and, and saying, God, I need your help, uh, than someone going out into the world and giving in to the sin. Uh, no, I'm going to run to the altar, run to the altar, come to the altar and say, God, I've got to have the Holy Ghost help. That's what's going to help you. You know, when I was a boy, I didn't fully understand this, but now I'm a pastor. And I understand, I can remember my pastor getting up, Brother Rachel. Uh, they're both dead and gone. It seems like there was another older man of God that came through here one time and preached along the same lines. He said, you know what? He said, when you have something that is sin and you hold on to it and you don't get rid of it, pretty soon that sin will overcome you. And so... Don't keep a pack of cigarettes to prove that you can overcome the cigarettes. Amen. Don't women don't keep ungodly clothing in your closet when you know your pastor preaches against me wearing that. Just get rid of it. Amen. I said get rid of it. Don't leave a pair of pants in your closet to prove that you can overcome it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 9. The Bible says, I was listening to my Bible while I was walking the other day. The book of Acts says, they beat them for preaching the name of Jesus. And they counted, they counted themselves worthy. They were rejoicing because they counted themselves worthy to be Persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ. You know what? I'd rather have someone razz me. I had a man. I invited him to church. I hunted his property. And he razzed me about wearing long sleeves. And he razzed me about looking godly. I just stood there and took it. I was like, well, I said, if that's the way you want to be about it, I said, that's fine. I said, but I'm not changing the way that I believe and the way that I dress just because you give me a hard time about it. And you know what? He passed up his day of visitation. He passed up his day of visitation. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 9. Yeah, he's gone. He's, he's passed away. Never got the Holy Ghost. Never come to church. And I witnessed to him. Invited him to church. Told him about the Holy Ghost. Tried to get him to come to church. Amen. He said, oh, you're just like the rest of them. I said, wait a minute. I said, you better be careful. I said, God's filled me with the Holy Ghost. I said, I'm not just somebody that's trying to do something. I, I do this because God's filled me with his spirit, first of all, but because he loves me, because he filled me with the Holy Ghost, he baptized me with his blood, cleansed me from my sins. Don't tell me I'm just like everybody else. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither fornicators nor idolaters, that word fornication, the Greek word for that is porneo. And it's where we get our English word pornography. People say, well, I'm not out, I'm not out 
fornicating with women. Well, these little things right here, you better be careful with them. And make sure that your children are protected from the wiles of the devil. Amen. What used to be behind the top shelf with, with little blocks in the front of it so you couldn't see the naked women is now on the cell devices that you can just look at it any time that you want to. That's fornication. Amen. Thank you. It says here, neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers. You say, what's the difference between adultery and fornication? Not much. Nor effeminate. That's homosexuality. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. You can't go out and sell your body, amen, and be some type of prostitute. It's a sin. Nor thieves. Nor covetous. What's a thief? Somebody who takes something that's not theirs. Nor covetous. What is covetous? It means that you're constantly desiring something that someone else has. Oh, I want this. Oh, I, I'm jealous of them. Don't say those words. Be happy. I'm happy whether I have something or whether I don't have something. My family asks me what I want for Christmas. I tell them just, just to be with you guys. That's all that matters. Why? I'm happy whether I get a Christmas present or not. I'm happy whether I get a birthday present. It doesn't bother me. Amen. I feel like I'm, I feel like right now I'm 29 years old. This morning I felt like I was 80. Praise God. I'm happy. I'm happy. Where does that come from? You don't get happiness from the world. You get it from God. You get it from the Holy Ghost. And the devil wants to take the Holy Ghost away from you. Nor drunkards. What's a drunkard? Someone who drinks alcohol. He said, no, no, no. It says, somebody, it says a drunkard. The law says that when you drink one can of beer that you're legally drunk. Go see if I'm right. I don't need to ask you. I know I'm right. And I'm not right all the time either. Nor revilers. Oh, I can't stand that person. Just reviling. You know, I, I, I work with guys out in the world. And they were vile peoples, people, constantly stirring up trouble. And you know what? After a while, I worked close to them, but there was a big wall between me and them. You say, how do you do that, Pastor? You just learn how not to talk to people. You learn how to work for what you're paid for. Amen. Amen. Never... Uh, I like 
I like what one man in our church said. He said, you know what I'm doing now, Pastor? He says, I'm leaving the door open to my office. And I said, you know what? That's a very wise thing to do. You know what, men? If you're married, if you're not married, you better be careful in living in this world. You single women, you better, you married women better be careful of who's around you in this world. I used to work around a bunch of women all the time, and they were all real huggy. Oh, how are you doing today? And I'd say, oh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing today? And they'd like, they'd stick their hand out, and I'd shake their hand. You know what it did? It gave them the message that I'm not interested in hugging you. I'll shake your hand. I'll give you that respect. But I hug my wife and my kids. I don't hug anybody else. I'll give my mom a hug every now and then, but that she's my mother. I can hug my mom if I want. But I don't hug anybody else. I'll give the men a hug, but not you women. Well, praise God. Nor extortioners. Don't blackmail me. Don't extort money out of somebody. Verse 11 says, such were. Were. There's that tense again, the past tense. Such were some of you. But ye are washed. And you are cleansed. You say, Pastor, that's what I used to be. Well, that's not what you are anymore, so quit living in that old way of thinking. Don't let the devil beat you down about your past anymore. Live for God. Live for God. Live for God. Keep bringing people to church. Keep being a witness. Teach a Bible study. Amen. That's what I used to be, but I'm not that way anymore. But you are sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I got to keep rolling here. Time's marching on. Romans 6 and 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. Oh, you say, what's that telling me? That just like Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we don't live in that old lifestyle of sin anymore. Amen. God brought us out of the dead. Amen. He brought us out of that old dead trespasses and sins. Praise God. Let's keep going here. Hebrews 10 and 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. What does baptism do for us? Baptism in Jesus' name 
is the answer of a good conscience. How many's ever had something weigh on your conscience? You're like, man, I don't really like this. This is weighing on me. Sin ought to weigh on your conscience. Sin ought to tear you up. Amen. But thank God for baptism in Jesus. That when I was baptized, God cleared my conscience. My conscience was cleared. Amen. Those things of the past are gone. I, I, don't, I don't live that way anymore. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. And when I repent, amen, when I ask God to forgive me, you know what happens is that blood is applied again. Amen. God cleanses us. If we confess and forsake our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. We're not without hope, church. You know who the, the Word of God was written to when it says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? He wasn't writing that to sinners. He wrote that to the church. We've all sinned. How many's ever sinned before? I'll have to raise both hands. But you know what? Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. And I'm not going to continue in sin. I'm getting out of that old way of living. I'm getting out of that way of thinking. I'm living for God. Amen. I'm walking with God. I'm walking with God. I'm walking with God. Amen. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what repentance is. Repentance is turning from sin. So if I have to give something up to receive the Holy Ghost, I must leave it alone to keep the Holy Ghost. When you repented of your sins and you told God you were sorry and God filled you with the Holy Ghost, God did his part. And now you have to do your part through the power of the Holy Ghost. It's real simple today, isn't it? It's real simple. But the devil tries to make this so difficult. When all we have to do is just say, yes, Lord. I've heard your word. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to walk with you, God. The, the altar, the altar was the place of dying out. The altar was the place where they would bring their sin sacrifice. The altar was the place where the fire of God would fall. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach. This is just a side note. But the reason why the devil doesn't want you to come to the altar to pray is because he knows that when you come to the altar, the fire of God's in this altar, and the fire of God will fall. And so when I repent and I give up sin to receive the Holy Ghost to go to heaven, that same sin that you give up to go to heaven you're not going to get to take that sin with you if you don't make it to heaven you're not going to take the pleasures of sin to hell with you it's impossible there's not going to be any pleasure of sin in hell and there will not be any sin in heaven and so Paul he found 
John's disciples. And he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Verse 5, when they heard that they should believe on Jesus Christ, it says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. And so what I've been preaching here today is that repentance is a very necessary work of the Holy Ghost. But you've got to have the Holy Ghost burning in your life in order to live without sin and live above sin and say, God, oh, there, there's people that tell you you can't live outside of sin. Uh, hey, man, you're human. Oh, no, 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 no. When I got the Holy Ghost, uh, I can live above sin. I don't have to live that way anymore. I just need more of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I need that help from heaven. I need the help of God in my life. Is there anybody here today that would come to this altar and lift your hands and say, God, I'm done with the sinning business. God, I'm done with living, low living, God. But God, I need the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. Oh, come on, church, let's cry out to God. Come on, we want revival. Let's repent. God created me a clean heart, oh God. Renew within me a right spirit, oh God. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, come on, leave that old life behind. Say, God, here I am. God, I love you. Oh, in the name of Jesus.